0: about the glory of God and we've used it or talked about it from that perspective or that label but we really said when it comes to the glory of God, the Old Testament defines it in the Hebrew as the weightiness or the heaviness of God. We've been talking really that it's the manifested presence of God right? The Bible also talks about it from the perspective of being the power of God or being the anointing or really the presence of the Holy Spirit and really the glory or the anointing Is the work of the Holy Spirit. You realize that Jesus is not working in the earth. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. In fact the Holy Spirit is the one that is moving. And is ministering to God's people. So really it is the modern day work of the Holy Spirit. When you sense God's presence. When his glory shows up. It's really the functioning and the operation. Of the person of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so I just love it when the Holy Spirit shows up. Don't you? And we ought to become more acquainted with and have a greater expectation of just Him being in our presence. And as we do, He shows up. I'm telling you, it's just amazing when we have that expectation. And so, I want to continue to talk about this tonight. And just help us uh, come to a greater uh, desire to see God move in our midst. And so, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm 139. And this is Wednesday night, and so we have the opportunity just to teach a little more in depth. And so I'm kind of going to teach the way I used to teach, you know, uh, a long time ago. Man, I'd give you a lot of scripture; you'd have to be flipping here and there and going everywhere. And so, uh, hopefully, on these Wednesday nights, you become real familiar with your Bible and uh, just fall in love with your Bible. But uh, in first, or excuse me, in uh, Psalm 139, starting in verse. In verse 1, we're going to read 1 through 10. And it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now, just before we continue reading, I want us to really pay attention to how this is written. Because as I said before, God really generally wants us to experience him tangibly. He wants us to experience him on a personal level. And so many times I think that when we start talking about the presence of God, or even talking about God for that matter, it's real easy to say that we know about God, but there's this side of really knowing God. And I believe that there's too many believers that know about God, and they're a Christian, and they're going to heaven. But the only time that they're really going to get to know God is when they get to heaven, right? You remember, I made this statement before is that, you know, the Bible says that when we get to heaven, if we've if we've lived this life, well, walking with Jesus, the Bible says we're going to go to heaven and receive a robe of righteousness. But if you're like Jordan, you're going to get a speedo. And so, listen, you want to make sure. <laughs> Just wanted to paint that picture again, man. <laughs> and so God wants us to experience and know him. So let's continue. It says in verse one, it says, oh, Lord. You have searched me and have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word out of my mouth. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. And I cannot attain it. Notice what it says there. Stop for a moment. Notice it didn't say that we cannot obtain it. It says I can't attain it. But on that front side of what we're going to be looking at. All those verses in which we read. All of us could hook up with that. And say yeah. I believe that. I can expect that. That's just how God is. That's just who he is. God knows everything about me and God cares about me because he's God. And it's all God towards us. And we put God up on this pedestal and say, yes, that's the God that I know about. But then as it continues to read, as we pick up here in verse seven, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand <clears throat> shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Now, like I said, the front part of or like, yes, that's God. But then we get to that latter portion where we talked about not being able to escape God's presence. All of a sudden, it seems as though we look at that as though it's all of a sudden become mystical or it's all subjective or it's all just kind of uh, painted pictures to kind of give us suggestions of of thought. But God is telling us God desires for us to experience his presence and there's nowhere that you can go that you can't escape his presence, right? But once again, I think when we start talking about experiencing his presence and being able to be enveloped by it and actually being able to have relationship with him that is tangible, we start looking at it from the perspective of saying, I know God. And it's like I'm talking about saying that I know Mickey Mouse. Oh, I know God. I know Mickey Mouse. I've known Mickey Mouse since I was a little kid. I mean, I can remember growing I know Mickey Mouse. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The example of we seem to somehow put it on this fairy tale level of, yeah, I know him. Oh gosh, I so liked him. I, I just so believed in him when I was a kid. Or to say, like, I saw Mickey Mouse. The Bible says that we can experience and see God moving. We looked at so many verses in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament where the Bible says that they were able to see him and and, and recognize him and, and be able to be moved by and touched by him. But as I said, when we say, well, I saw Mickey Mouse. You did? Yeah, man, we were down at Disney and I saw Mickey, I saw Minnie. I even saw the princesses. I saw the the seven dwarfs. They were there. And we get all excited and it's like I'm excited because I saw them, but all the while I know that there's just people inside of those. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, we see it. Yes, we believe it, but it's almost like it's, A distance off or it's like make-believe or it's like, well, that's just superficial thinking. But God really desires for us to know Him. He wants us to experience His presence. He wants us to know Him. And so, to help us see how simple this is. and, And for some, I think we make it more difficult than it has to be. But if you remember, we said this last week in John chapter 1. The Bible says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so let's stop and really break that down. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you see it driving home a little different picture now? In the beginning, Was the word and the word was with God. But the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it begins to put a personality to the word of God, right? Who's the personality? The personality is Jesus. And so, therefore, the Word of God is equal to, or really is, Jesus. The Word is Jesus, and the Bible says that whenever the Word shows up, Jesus shows up, right? So that's why we put such an emphasis on the Word of God around here. We don't like just to give you a read or digest message. We don't want to just make you feel good. We want to give you substance that you can take home. Because if you get the word of God, you're getting Jesus. And if you begin to put the word of God to practice in your life, all of a sudden Jesus starts showing up. Jesus becomes manifest in the flesh. He does. Yeah, just begin to meditate. Meditate. Begin to get into the Word of God where it talks about healing. When you need healing in your body, when we had a friend that had cancer, what did she do for four weeks? She got into the Word of God, got into the face of Jesus, and began to get Jesus manifesting in the flesh. And we saw what take place. Jesus, the healer, show up. And when she got to the doctor, no cancer. See, the Word of God will express the manifest presence of who Jesus is. Right? So if the word is equal to Jesus or Jesus in the flesh, you can't separate the two. Then let's just begin to talk about Jesus. Again, to help us see how the presence, the glory, the power, the anointing of God begins to be functional and become real in our life. You realize that the Bible spoke of the Messiah, the one that was coming, right? But they spoke of him as the Christ, right? And we also see in the word of God that he was called Jesus the Christ. Christ was not his last name. He was Jesus the Christ. Christ was a description or descriptive name of who he was. Right? In fact, the Bible says this This might help you just a little bit. You know, the Bible says that there is no other name unto heaven that's given such as Jesus. It says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus and the Bible, Jesus says, you pray in my name, right? There's power in the name. That's why when I pray and I get to the end of my prayer, I say, in Jesus' name, amen. Right. Or in Jesus' name, the anointed one, so be it. Have you ever heard somebody say it this way? Well, in Christ's name. No, that's not how the Bible tells us to pray. It didn't say pray in Christ's name because Christ is not a name. It's just a description. Or you hear somebody else say, in your son's name. There's no power in praying that way. Have you ever heard somebody pray that way? And they're praying this prayer. And in your son's name, amen. Right? There is no power in praying in your son's name. Do you remember the seven sons of Sceva? They didn't know the power of the name. And they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Remember when the demoniac man came? They said, in the name of Jesus, the one whom Paul preaches, we command you to leave. And the demon said, Jesus we know, Paul we've heard about, but who are you? Right? And so there's something to be said for understanding the power of Jesus. All right, so we said Jesus Christ, that word Christ is actually translated as the anointed one and his anointing. What did we say that the glory was? We said that the glory was the manifested presence of God or it is the power of God or the anointing of God, right? So whenever Jesus shows up, Jesus shows up with his power, with his glory, with his anointing every single time. But if Jesus is equal to his word, if we get the word showing up, Jesus shows up. But Jesus don't show up just empty handed. He shows up with his power. He shows up with his anointing. He shows up with his glory. Amen. Amen. The anointed one and his anointing shows up. You might say, well. Great, I'm glad it does. What does that do for me if he shows up with his anointing or power? Isaiah 10, 27 says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. So in other words, it's the burden removing yoke, destroying power of God that shows up when his glory, his anointing shows up. When you sense his presence in an an Atmosphere of church, that's the time when we say, God, you're here. I'm reaching up and I'm getting whatever I have need of. Your power's here. Your anointing's here right now. I receive it in Jesus' name. You don't have to get all worked up. If you know that the anointing's there, just receive it by faith. Well, what if I don't feel anything at all? I can still do it by faith because I got his word. If all I do is begin to get into the word of God and God, your word says, all of a sudden, Jesus, the anointed one in his anointing, shows up and starts to go to work on my behalf. And the anointing, the power of God, begins to work for me. Amen. It begins to work on my behalf. And so we want to begin to see God's glory and God's power in further demonstration in manifestation within our church. Don't you want it in your life? Don't you want it within your church? Come on, I'm telling you, I want God to move in my home. You know, one of the things that we've been doing just the, the last little while is, uh, you know, we'll get with our girls and, and we'll have devotional times throughout the week. And we'll sit down and we'll read uh, portions of scripture or we'll have the girls, they'll they'll read a chapter, they'll break it up half by half. And I typically always have them read a, a section where out of that I can take a verse that I want them to begin to, to memorize and, and meditate on the week. And so this particular week is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And so I've got it written up on the bathroom uh, mirror. And so whenever we get ready to read, I say, okay, who's got the verse? i like, oh, they'll get half of it. And so they'll run into the bathroom and they'll, they'll come back and they'll give me it. So what am I doing? I'm getting the word in them. I'm getting them acquainted with the person of Jesus. I'm getting them acquainted with the anointed one and his anointing. So that way, when it comes, when push comes to shove, what do they do? They tap into, oh, mom, dad, we need you. No, they can tap right into the power of God themselves. The word of God says. What was the last week? Can you help me out? You remember last week? I put you on the spot. No, my, my daughter right behind you. The one was, there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. Well, I don't want my girls walking around, or my children for that matter, walking around being fearful. Having this anxiety or this concern about life. No. Because why? The anointed one. The burden removing, yoke destroying power of God is working with them. So when they feel like they got something that they're coming up. No, I don't have to fear because perfect love casts out fear. What are they doing? They're learning how to experience the presence and the power and the glory of God in their personal life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so turn over to 2 Peter, if you will. Second Peter chapter 1. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 1. Now let me just help you out here on these particular nights. You might not be real familiar with flipping through your Bible and you might start to feel self-conscious if you start flipping and you're thinking, oh, dear God, I'm behind. Listen, I would rather you just be diligent to find it and bring your Bible because on these kind of nights, on Wednesday nights, we're starting to grow and learn how to become acquainted with our Bibles. Is that OK? So don't ever feel like I'm rushing you or don't feel like anybody's looking at you because we're growing together. Second Peter, second Peter, chapter one. In verse 2 and 3. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. So let's stop for a moment. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God. And of Jesus the anointed one. And his anointing. So you can become acquainted with. Or knowing how to cooperate. With the power of God. His presence, his anointing. And then verse 3, it says, And his divine power has given to us all things that pertain pertained to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by what? By glory and virtue, or that word virtue is power. Come on. The Bible says that he wants us to begin to experience him and know him and begin to understand this divine power Or this glory that's available to us. And it comes through having a knowledge of Him. Right? Having a knowledge of Him. He's Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and His anointing. So look at it this way. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And then Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So when was it that Jesus became anointed? Or or was able to to do anything against the enemy. It was when he was anointed. Right? And once he became anointed. He went about doing good and healing all. Well that's who we're becoming acquainted with. Jesus the anointed one. And when he comes and begins to work on our behalf. He begins to tear down everything. That the enemy is trying to build up against you. Do you realize that he's trying to build up a case against you? Oh sure. He's trying to. Build up a case of all the things that you've done wrong. He's trying to build up a case of all the stuff that you should have done. That You know, I tell you what, that's really where the enemy gets me. He doesn't get me on my past faults and failures. He gets me on all the things that I would have, could have, should have done. You know what I'm talking about? He, he'll bring condemnation in either way. Well, you know you should have done that. Well, you know you wanted to. But you just drug your feet and you still haven't done it yet. Well, do you realize that the Bible says that God can help me redeem the time? All right. So do I get into condemnation? No. I just purpose to trust God. God, get me right back where I need to be. And allow the power and the presence and the glory of God to to help me do what I need to do right now. Amen. Come on. The Holy Spirit is your helper. In fact, I was just laying in bed last night. Couldn't sleep for whatever reason. Oh, I know why I couldn't sleep. I was cold. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those nights where, you know, you go to bed, and it's like, ah, I'm just freezing. I'm sitting there, I'm freezing, and I try to snuggle up with my wife. She's like, get off of me. And I'm like, come on, I'm cold. And so I'm laying there trying to get warm, and it's like 1.30 in, in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, okay, well, I might as well pray. And so as I'm talking, that's part of my prayer last night. As I'm laying there in bed, as I'm talking to the Lord, I said, Holy Spirit, I said, you are the helper. I said, so here's a couple areas that I just want you to help me. And part of the things that I was asking him to help me are some of those things that I was exactly talking about. Things that I drag my feet in. That the enemy comes and says, well, you should have done that. No, the Holy Spirit and power, the anointed one and his anointing, can come up alongside of me and partner with me. And begin to help me do those things that I'm dragging my feet on. He's not going to make me do it. But have you ever asked the Lord to help you in those areas? And it seems as though he just kind of pokes you in the ribs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. This kind of helps get your attention. It gives you a little, little wind to your sails, right? Yep. God wants to help us. And so, once again, God is looking for us to experience him and begin to tap into his presence, his anointing, and allow it to go to work on our behalf. I said that the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. The Bible says that he's come to destroy the works of the enemy and all the yokes that he tries to put upon you. Have you ever felt those yokes? In fact, when you think about it from the the standpoint of a yoke, the yoke of ox where there's two big beasts that are are plowing the field together, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oftentimes what ends up happening is that we allow ourselves to get into condemnation. Jesus is really in the, 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 the plow with us, doing life with us. But we allow ourselves to get beat up by condemnation. And all of a sudden we start getting weak and really start losing sight of the help that we have right beside us. And the enemy starts mounting up all this stuff and all these thoughts and all these condemnations. And before we before we know it, rather than uh, uh, planting rows, if you will, or just uh, making progress in life. Before we know it, we start going in this circle, don't we? Just going round and circle, round and circle. And it's like, dear God, I've been here before. I've been here for the last five years. God, I'd like to sure get ahead or, 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 or get out of this rut that I'm in, Right? It's just simply allowing God to destroy the yokes that the enemy tries to put on us. And so, in Matthew, if you'll turn there, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 This is Jesus speaking. It's written in red. And he says this. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Did you notice that Jesus gave you free access? Come to me. All of you that feel heavy. Come on. Have you ever felt that way? Just felt the pressure of life? Just everything that we were just talking about. You feel the weight of it. Jesus says, don't worry about taking care of it. I'll take care of it. Just come to me. Mm-hmm. You feel the pressure. You feel the guilt. You feel the shame. Just come to me. Amen. And he says, what verse did I want? In verse 28 he says, but um, where am I at? <laughs> chapter 11. I was in verse chapter 12. Okay, 28. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Amen. Have you ever felt just the heaviness and the burdens of life for whatever reason? God just desires to remove the yoke. And he says, come to me, take up my yoke. What is the yoke? The yoke is his anointing. And it destroys the yoke of the enemy. And he says, my yoke is easy. Come on. I know I'm speaking from a pastor's perspective right now. But sometimes ministry can seem very hard and challenging. And oftentimes when it feels like that, it's because you start doing things in the arm of the flesh. And God never said that ministry had to be hard. He said, now I know those people you're pastoring are hard-headed. He said, no. (laughs) But life doesn't have to be hard, right? If we'll purpose to partner with God. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. As we, He says, take my yoke upon you. What is his yoke? His yoke is his anointing. And here's what is so cool when we begin to see this. As I don't know if your Bible has it. But you'll see little verses that are beside or after certain verses. In chapter, or excuse me, in verse 29, where he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And the chain reference verse is Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. So there is a verse that is directly connected with what Jesus just said. So let's go over there to Philippians chapter 2. So if you've ever wondered, what are those little... Chapters and verse and book references after particular verses. That's it. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says this: it says, Let this mind be an Be in you, which was also in Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God. So notice what he said here. Let this mind be in you. And he made a direct reference to what he was talking about over there in Matthew. He says, come to me and take my yoke upon you. What's he saying? In me, there's perfect rest. In me, there's liberty. In me, there's equality with God. There is no stress. There is no sickness. There is no bondage. There is no heaviness in God. And so therefore, take up my yoke. Take up and become like me. And let this mind be in you that you don't have to carry around the junk of life. You can be free and come right into my presence. There is nothing withstanding you. There's nothing keeping you from me. Let this mind be in you. Do you think Jesus has any problem hanging out with his dad? No. The Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I know I give him good comedy relief at different times. There's times where God just elbows Jesus and says, did you see what he did? <laughs> right? <Hell yeah>. It's <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I know you do too. <laughs> but here's the thing that just so amazes me. Is that when we talk about the presence of God, when we talk about the anointing, the power, the glory, when we talk about living a life of faith and really standing upon the word of God, we almost act like it's a fairy tale. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I guess I'm really kind of referring to people that look at God as this big sovereign God. He is sovereign. But they have this idea, it's like God is God and whatever God wants to do, he'll do. And you don't have a thing to do about it, say about it, think about it, because God is God. And so therefore, if God wants you to be sick, he's just going to let you be sick. If God wants you to be poor, he's just going to let you be poor. If God wants you to struggle, he's just going to let you struggle. And if God don't want you to sense his presence, he's never going to let you sense his presence. If you never see or experience a miracle in your life, it's because God don't want you to. And I just find that so hard to believe when God says, I want you to experience my presence. Because here's what the Bible says. In fact, again, turn, since you're right there in Matthew, or bend there, turn back to Matthew chapter 7. You doing okay? You don't mind flipping back and forth, do you? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 10. Actually, let's go to verse 8. It says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I just so struggle with people's ideology or Christianity that looks at God as so sovereign as though if he wants to, he will. If he don't, he won't. And you don't have a thing to do about it. the Bible says that we being really evil know how to give good things to our kids. How many of you want to be good to your kids? How many, if your kids were sick, you would be right by their bedside helping them? How many, if your kids had a financial hardship and you had it within your ability, you would help them out? Every parent would do that. If God is not that good, then that means you're better than God. And I have a hard time thinking that any one of us have a heart for our children more than God does. But for whatever reason, we live this life as though, well, God, you're out there somewhere. And yes, I... I believe in you, and I know about you, but to really be able to know you, that's a difficult thing. Nobody can really know you. No, God says he wants us to experience his presence. Amen? I know uh, I was just talking to my sister today, uh, texting back and forth with her, and it was always so cool with her, you know, her and her husband, they they both love God, and Uh, With all their children, you know, as far as I know, I know with the first couple anyways, they would go into the uh, into the delivery room and they would bring in a tape recorder, CD player, tape recorder shows my date, shows my age. (laughs) They would bring in a recorder, the record, (laughs) the vinyl. Yeah, but they would they would play music. okay? and what they would play would be worship music. And they were intentional. They didn't care what the doctor said. They didn't care what the nurses thought. They wanted the presence of God in their room. They wanted God to be there as she gives birth because she wanted the healer. She wanted the deliverer. She wanted the helper. She wanted the teacher. She wanted the waymaker to be in her room. And so they created space for his presence to show up. Come on, we don't have to only isolate God to church. God wants us to experience him every day of our lives. Yes. And he's as close as the mention of his name. And he's there for us to experience. Let's his purpose to press into him. Let's purpose to continue to believe him. That he's revealing himself in our church. Amen. Amen. One last scripture. You doing okay? Yes. I got four minutes, they say. Can, I, can you give me four minutes? All right, I'm going to give you five. <laughs> All right, Colossians, Colossians chapter three, Colossians chapter three, verse one. What is the biggest challenge that we have in this particular area? It's the battlefield of our mind. All right. oh, that is so true. Oh, we cannot get beyond our own head. Wow. Right. Isn't isn't that really where, where we struggle? Our heart says, I want to know God and I want to experience God. But all of a sudden, you get this big butt, And it's this stuff right between your ears. But, you know, my upbringing said you couldn't. Or my mom and daddy said, you know, whatever. Here's what the Bible says here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For <laughs> come on, yes. on things. So in other words, you're going to have to change your way of thinking. If you always think, well, you can't experience God because we're here on earth and God's in heaven, you'll never experience Him. But if you'll change your thinking to think higher, and to put it a different way, purpose to think spiritual versus carnal thinking heavenly rather than naturally God will reveal himself because he said he would amen. right yes. well praise the Lord <laughs> I'll cut it short right there <laughs> Woo, come on how many of you want to know God I do. how many of you want to know him for real and just more and more every day I do. amen you realize you can know him and start seeing him in your spouse isn't that cool? Come on. Sometimes I have to tell Jesus, shut up. And it's really my wife just talking to me. But No, I don't do that. Come on, let's stand. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. That you are stretching us. You are messing with our thinking. You are messing with our theology. You're messing with our upbringing. You're messing with just some of those golden calves that we have made idols in our lives based upon belief systems. But God, we want to know you. And we want to come closer. And so God, I thank you that you're stretching us. To begin to see things differently, believe differently, and even begin to have an expectation. Yes, you have given us permission to expect from you. God, your attitude towards us isn't to say, who do you think you are to expect anything from me? No God, your heart is saying I want you to expect I want you to expect me To honor my word Expect me to be The father and the God I said I would be So God we thank you that you are Becoming more real In our lives in Jesus name and We all said amen. amen, amen Let me just say this before we leave Just because of the nature of Wednesday nights if you're ever in a position where you just desire more of God and you'd say, you know what? I I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I never want there to be an opportunity where you say, you know what? I never get that chance. If there's ever a time where you say, I want to be filled, would you pray for me? We'll pray for you. Because it's the greatest experience outside of knowing Jesus. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.